Welcome to The Local, brought to you by Fairhaven Wealth Management in partnership with our friends at the Wheaton Chamber of Commerce here in Wheaton, Illinois. I'm Mark Horner, and together with Vicki Austin, we bring you conversations about what's happening with people right around you. Everyone has a story that goes well beyond their day-to-day life. Stories about their history, their passion, their inspirations. All you have to do is look and ask and maybe listen. These stories may be local, but their reach is far and their themes universal. Welcome to another edition of The Local. Joining us is Eric, the Schlick Schlickman of oh, wow. 302. <laughs> Thank you for that. Welcome, Mayor. Eric. <laughs> Nobody's ever introduced you that way? My nickname's Schlick, but Eric, the, the Schlick, Schlick. The Schlickman. Schlick. We also have Schlick Sauce. Which yeah, that's what I was just going to mention, with, the Schlick so. Sauce. So before I forget, which I, uh, it'd be impossible for me to forget because my daughter beat it into my brain this morning at breakfast when she heard that I was talking oh. to mm. the founder of 302, she wanted to say just how much she loves what you guys do over there. Oh, and thanks. I would, I would echo, echo that very, yeah. very strongly. Uh, our youngest is 16. We've got a 16 year old, an 18 year old, a 21 and a 23 year old, the whole family, Fun. the whole family loves gotcha. what you guys are doing. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So how did you get started in the restaurant business? Uh, that's a great question. I got started. I never thought I was going to be a restaurateur. Um, in preschool, I was called the foreman. Uh, I was the one building blocks and uh, telling kids what to do with blocks. So the architecture, like the architecture was, uh, was the plan from day one. Um, I took drafting classes in high school. I would draw, uh, kind of design airports on vacation. Um, <laughs> and eventually went to college for my undergrad in architecture at Kansas. Um, go Jayhawks. And, then after that, like the path was really easy, architecture. And so after graduating, um, I practiced architecture at a firm downtown called Getch Partners. I did that for about six years. Um, it was really cool, really fun. Did projects over in Abu Dhabi and China and then wow. locally here. Really? Uh, yeah. So it was kind of funny. I was working on the very first project I was working on was called Soa Island or Soa Square. And it's four office buildings and a stock exchange over in one of those man-made islands. Never got over there. The only time I did, um, my wife went into early labor the morning I was supposed to fly out. And I was just going to be UPS. I'm just bringing over presentation boards. But um, the uh, firm leadership did not uh, tell the client that they were spending $10,000 to send me over there. And so the client's like, hey, you know what? We can delay the presentation. <laughs> so I uh, rushed home, met my wife at uh, the hospital, and she went on bed rest for the rest of her pregnancy. So, um, so yeah, that was a ton of fun. But honestly, like the amount of work and just commuting downtown, this is like, like I don't know. Early, like 2007, 2010-ish. So COVID wasn't existing yet and everyone was still commuting downtown, mm-hmm. but it's like three or four hours out of your day. Yeah, when you have it a is. young I family. I started looking at uh, design firms out in the suburbs where we lived. Um, so we, both my wife and I grew up in Wheaton, moved back to Wheaton when we got married after college. And then I was commuting downtown to work. Um, when I was looking at... Um, to kind of change careers or move my career out to the suburbs. Uh, my mother-in-law actually found um, this job with a friend of uh, kind of an acquaintance board member of hers. Um, and so I started selling office furniture and project managing um, 
uh, projects for a Herman Miller dealer out here. Oh, sure. um, and so what's funny about that is I was working at their suburban office and then I helped them launch a Chicago office. So here I am back downtown again, <laughs> working with all the design firms that were competitors of mine. Um, and so I did that, loved that. Um, well, real quickly, yeah. though, starting out as the, being known as the foreman and, yeah. and, and a, uh, what a 10 or a 20 year path. It sounds like on architecture and being committed to that. That's a, that's a uh, compelling mother-in-law to get you to change careers or, or did you think about the office furniture as kind of a design kind of offshoot? Yeah, that's exactly. So I actually applied to um, a financial advisor as well that my father-in-law was the CFO at that's local here in Wheaton. Uh -huh. um, and so it was either sales or design and project management and office furniture. And I was just like, uh, money's probably better over here in financial services, but that I just can't imagine. It's a like, dirty like, business. It's just, <laughs> it's just not what I'm passionate about. And so like, it's like, nah, that's not right. Like I'm not going to chase a dollar for something I'm not passionate about. So ended up, um, doing office furniture. And Loved that, is, that. that is really, my sister-in-law is a designer and she works with architects. So there's like yeah. a, a sort of joined at the hip, yep. right? Yep. To architecture and, and design. Yeah. So what I, what I tell everyone is that the furniture sales world, everyone wants to be a resource for each other, mm -hmm. but truly like, I know what architects, I know their workload. I know how they work and I know what they need and they need someone to solve all the problems that they have with, the complexity of office furniture. And mm -hmm. so, um, I didn't stop working like an architect. I worked day and night and I didn't stop, which was great because I was kind of running in parallel with their work schedule right. as well. So 10 o'clock at night, I was answering questions for them because they had that and they were still tied to their desks. Yeah. So but I was at home on my phone, which was great. So it was a great job. Um, I'll get to kind of looking back at, how does architecture and sales and office furniture, how does that all relate to the restaurant industry? But um, so after opening uh, the office in the city, I was parking in this lot in downtown Wheaton, right across from the train station, commuting downtown. Um, and that lot so happens to be 302 West Front Street, which happens to be where 302 is. And that's where the name came from. It's the address of the property. The building went for sale. Um, and so I was like parking in this decrepit parking lot. Yeah, it was like building. a little car. It was like a, a transmission auto repair. Shop. Yeah, transmission, oh, transmission shop. I parked there once and I got a ticket. Yeah. What's up with that? You didn't me. get a ticket? Uh, no, because I paid for parking. Oh, got it. Got <laughs> He's it. highly connected. <laughs> yes. and all these he loved it so yeah, much. Right. He bought yeah. the corner. Yeah. So the building went for sale. I was kind of looking to do what's next. Um, and with the design mind and just kind of being able to build things in my brain, um, I saw this property. I was like, garage doors, that's cool. The building's really cool. Um, what if we converted this this uh, falling apart uh, parking lot into an outdoor patio, which there's nothing like that. Yeah. Growing up in Wheaton and having, I think at the time, yeah, at the time three kids, it's like there's really nowhere to take your kids, let them like have a complete meltdown and that'd be okay in downtown Wheaton. So where can we, what can we do to create a place like that? And I was a, a really into craft beer and have craft beer be a part of it. So the original concept was we're going to open up a tap house. There's going to be no food and we're bring food trucks in because I don't know anything about food, but I know what good beer is. And my dad and I were going to run this thing. So just two of us. So as I was looking at other jobs and like I knew whatever was going to be next, I 
like that was what I wanted to do, not what I needed to do. I was in a good position, just kind of mm-hmm. really choose what I wanted to do next. So when I would interview with my friends, my network, um, cool potential, like potentially cool jobs, but I kept telling them about like, because they were friends, it's like, like I could work here, but I also really like this idea of this thing called I'm calling 302 mm-hmm. and I've designed it already. And anyway, so I just realized, you know, like I keep talking about that, keep bringing, coming back to it why don't I just try doing it? So without knowing anything about fundraising or anything about buying a commercial building or starting a business, I was like, well, I'm just going to start working my network, asking friends who own restaurants. How do you do it? How did you start your restaurant? Um, and then at the What's same the timeline here, Eric, from the first time you drove by and saw that, Hey, that's cool. Those are cool garage doors. Yeah. Now you're, now you're going out and, and getting serious talking about putting some money together. How long, how long did that take? Yeah. I, I want to say it was probably, this isn't accurate. This part isn't accurate, but probably early 2018 that the building went for sale. Okay. I remember without any help with a realtor or anything like that on my side, um, I was talking to the owner's realtor um, and just like walking through it, called the number on the building um, and then was like, okay, well, I know how like, home prices work. Commercial real estate's like the wild west. Like mm-hmm. it just kind of depends on what you want and what I want for the building and how does it fit into my business model. So I made him an offer. I don't have any of the money yet, but I made him an offer. And I was like, well, let's just see if this, if this, if we're going down this road, if we're even close. Um, I like you, you like me is like, are we going to start dating here? Kind of thing. Um, so I remember I was actually at church uh, on a Sunday morning when the realtor texted me back and said, hey, we accept your offer. I'm like, well, that's cool. Now, now how am I going to do it? Now how are we going to do it? Now what? Um, and it just so happened that uh, a good buddy of mine um, had a friend who him and his son would walk by this building like often and be like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if this was a cafe? Mm. So a buddy of mine connected me to this guy. Um and then I asked my in-laws, I was like, Hey, would you can, I've got this idea. Can we buy the building? And so between, um, friend of a friend and my in-laws and my, like our immediate family, uh, we all bought the building. So it's kind of somewhat within the family. And the reason why I thought like, Hey, I need to buy the building instead of just lease the space from them is because the movie found the founder where Ray Kroc yeah. stole the yeah. McDonald's franchise mm-hmm. from the McDonald's brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, That's your hero? No, no, <laughs> it's not. It's one of my favorite movies um, and took a lot of inspiration, I guess. Uh, yeah. It's from a great that. movie. It is. Yeah, it's a great but, you movie. You know, I don't know the, I don't know the actor's name, but you know, Ryan from the office, he's in that movie and he's like, like Ray, you're not in the restaurant business. Right. You're in the real estate business, mm-hmm. right? And so that just kind of stuck, and I had no right. idea why what he meant by that. I was like, okay, I, I probably should buy the property that I'm in. Mm-hmm. He chases him down at coming out of the yes, bank after exactly. he gets turned down from yep. the loan and tells yep. him mm-hmm. that. I know exactly yeah, the scene yeah, you're yeah. talking about. Mm-hmm. So I was like, of course, like I'm gonna take uh, uh, yeah feedback from a movie to to. Sure. Why business. not? Right on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, we bought the building. We closed on it in October of 2018. In the mean, like in the meantime, there in May of 2018, uh, my wife and I are coming back from a movie, and uh, we were seeing Black Panther, and we were driving back, and my wife looks at Facebook, and she sees Wheaton Facebook moms. Hey, Shane's is closing. 
like, oh, that's interesting. And I grew mm. up like over by Cosley. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really go down to Cock Robin or Shane's, but for some reason it was just like, hey, the restaurant's closing. I wonder, I, I know someone who knows Shane. I wonder, should we buy that? And like, I don't know, <laughs> should we try to save Shane's? So I texted, like I had my wife take my phone in the car and text like a few of my buddies who I knew knew a lot more about business than I did. Like the nitty gritty, they either owned a business or closer to uh, like a higher level than I was. I was like, maybe this could be like business school for me and just mm-hmm. buy a deli for a year because it was closing because the building was going to get torn down. I just thought, man, this could be a great opportunity. Three days later, we close on the purchase of Shane's Deli with four of my really good friends. Mm-hmm. And we all went in saying, uh, at the end of this, we're going to be friends after this, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to be a year. And so two of us uh, were looking to start restaurants. I was looking to start 302. Another guy was looking at another restaurant. Um, and then the other three were just kind of there along for the ride. Um, you got some great press yeah, when that right. happened. Uh, so that's the thing. It's like, I'm trying to start 302. And I buy Shane's Deli and that works well for a while. And then I buy my partners out um, and then I'm just running it. Um, a couple of things happened. A, the one of the like the f- front office uh, people from the building department goes there like every week. Um, so I got to know her pretty well. Um, we became the this, city. Like, from the, the city, city of Wheaton. Wheaton. Yeah. 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 Um, so are you slinging sandwiches? You're out. Yes. You're, you're on the you're on the I can attest line. to it. Yes. I saw. Uh, no, I, slinging sandwiches was scary. I was working the register. You were working okay. the register, right? Um, Which you upgraded nicely, I might yes. say. And so what's funny is I was working my other job at the furniture, like in the at the furniture company, while operating oh, Shane's kidding. in the middle of the day. But I was getting all my work done like either before or after. And I would really just come in for the lunch. And I was so you literally duties. kept the day job while you were doing yes. that. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Holy moly. Yeah. So there was a lot going on. Um, so that was May of 2018. Um, and, and just then, for those who don't know, Shane's Deli is an institution. And it it, there was a great hue and cry when Shane decided yes. to move to wherever he moved, Colorado or someplace. Moline. Moline, whatever. <laughs> far enough, far, somewhere west. Yep, yep. And so when you all took that over, it was sort of like the cavalry came in yeah. and, and saved the day. Yeah, so I remember that was big. picture in the Daily Herald of... The five guys. Yep. We were going to change the name from Shane's to five guys, but that was taken. And <laughs> but there then, was a copyright and issue. Then, yeah, for some reason. And then it was like all of our families. And we filled like the entire dining room with all of our kids and our wives and us. Um, so it was a really fun. And we were all local Wheaton people, some of yes. us Wheaton North. But so we became these like this like savior in downtown Wheaton. So my street cred, well, I'm somewhat being selfish of like, hey, I just want some business experience to figure out how to run 302 eventually got all this street cred of like savior, savior of Shane's yada, yada, yada. And so that was huge. I love what you said, like an MBA, you were getting your education. Yeah. And like, I knew, so looking back at my, the architecture world and office furniture world, I would say architecture degree teaches you how to learn how to work mindless hours without eating and sleeping. (laughs) Um, and then in school and even in, in the workplace, you had to, to problem solve. That was your job is to really problem solve. Yeah, people are always like, oh, you got to be good at math and science. Computers do all that for you and mm-hmm. the engineers do all that for you. You got to problem solve. You've got to present your concept mm-hmm. and sell that to the customer. So sales, presentation, um, working hard mm-hmm. um, was all part of that kind of experience. And then when I was working in the office furniture company, um, 
I was quickly brought up to be a leader in the company and was helping them kind of go through a major culture change um, within the company. Um, and that was really interesting because culture is a huge part of any business. Mm -hmm. You can say you're in the restaurant business or whatever business you're in, but everyone's in the people business really. Um, and so they saw something in me like, why would this kid who was working in the city want to come out and work in Bloomingdale and bust his butt and work mindless hours? And like, can we, can we attract more people like this? And so we, we thoroughly looked at our company, what makes us great, and then started to hire for those characteristics in the company. And so a lot of the things that I've taken from those two business experiences, and then even just the networks from different people within those firms really helped me, like, especially from, um, the, the furniture company, my boss had a great network. Um, and I became really good friends with him. So he kind of grafted me into his friends group and a lot of those friends became investors in 302. Um, and so a lot to pay, like, like, I mean, I guess a lot to thank like everyone that kind of mm. brought me up in my career. Cause I really couldn't have done any of this without those steps along the way, even though it has, you would think nothing to do with the restaurant industry. Yeah. There's one, there, there's one big item, I think. Uh, so I started this company in yeah. 20, in 2015. And a lot of what you're talking about, I mean, totally resonates with my, with my own experience, but there's one item from your list that I think is, uh, important to not, not dismiss. And that's, uh, that's the willingness to take a swing mm. and the willingness to take a swing, <laughs> the willingness to take a swing without having all the pieces in place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so putting an offer on a building, not having any idea how it is that, how it is that I'm actually going to do this mm -hmm. yeah. if I get it is, is, is a proposition that not everybody is wired for yeah. and ready to, yeah. and so ready true. to do, ready to do. So that's a, I mean, that's a huge one, I think to, to not, I just gave myself goosebumps yeah. to not, yeah. to, to not, it to is. not let, to not let go that, that, that just a lot of people just aren't ready to, aren't yeah, ready to do that. Risk. Yeah. Also the moonlighting yeah. concept, you know, the idea that now they call it a side hustle, but you know, you were working two jobs and raising sounds like a young family yeah. and you know, the willingness to, um, I did that when I started coaching, I was still working full time. I'd get up at four in the morning and do all my coaching stuff. Then I go to work. And when I came home, I'd see clients, mm -hmm. you know, two nights a week and, um, just slowly building that up, that, that, that commitment to be able to do it side by side until you're ready. You were ready. Yeah. When did you pull the trigger? Pull the pin. I guess those are all <laughs> military. Those are terrible. Like Let me use another yeah, analogy. Right. When did it all blow up? When did you make the change and quit the day job? Yeah, way too early. Um, <laughs> so I was doing very well. Um, and we had just moved. So uh, like as I bought Shane's, as I'm starting 302 in the middle of 2019, I've got three kids. And at the time, they were all probably elementary and maybe a sixth grader at the time just bought a house. Um, I mean, we were, we were, we just upgraded our house because we were also in the middle of adopting our fourth. Um, we hadn't like gotten her yet. Um, but we were in the pro in that entire process. So the world was changing a lot in, mm -hmm. in the Schlickman family. Um, and why not add a deli and, uh, <laughs> completely forget your, uh, comfortable job and start something new and ask a bunch of friends for a lot of money for <laughs> one of the riskiest sense industries ever right, just do a startup na narrowest margins yeah. right right high failure rate <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. what a great sure. idea. yeah 
That's a great idea. Um, yeah. So, but I think it's working out for you, Eric. I think so. Tell us, like, tell us about that. We want to know. Are we caught up with? Well, there's one more thing okay. that I want, but no, no, I, no. I absolutely want to go there. But th- this is another element of this that in my so in my business in the dirty business of being a financial advisor, I get to, I get to, I get the privilege of interacting with with a wide range of people that I'd say by any standard that the world might have would be considered successful. And they're all different. They're all they're all unique. Common among them, though, is they all have stories to tell uh, that are generally similar to the story that mm-hmm. you've just told about what their path has been like, mm-hmm. and and times of challenge and uncertainty. And I didn't know how this was going to work out, or or disappointment or failure. I mean, the, every single one of them has got has got stories to tell about that. And what's really interesting, and it just happened watching you, because and it happens every single time. You, you watch somebody tell that, tell that story and in there, and it always happens. A smile starts to creep across yes. their face <laughs> as they, as they start to, as they start to reflect or reminisce about what at the time I'm sure was a whole bunch of fear and uncertainty and what's going to happen if this doesn't work out or not. But to, but to reflect back on that being a big part of the experience and part of the part of the journey. It's just, it's so fun to listen to it and it's is. even more fun to watch and so people tell, tell stories like that. Yeah. So inspiring. I love it. So yes, now we're caught up. Well, I don't know that we are because oh, sorry. so you quit the day job. Yeah. I quit the day job in March of 2019 okay. thinking 302 will be open for the final four. I'm a big Kansas guy. Like how fun would it be to open my restaurant, have up on our big screen out on the wall, uh, March Madness and watch Kansas win the national championship, which they didn't that year. Um, but like that was the plan, April. It didn't open until September. And so I'd quit my job. I had saved enough um, to get me through that. But it was like, I mean, I was out there. I was not just having a contractor do all the work. I was out there painting. I, mm-hmm. I painted the entire building inside and out. I was there from... I was not a 4 a.m. person. I would stay up till 4 a.m., but then I would <laughs> get in around like 9 or 10 a.m. and then do that all over again. Oh, and people would see me. They would drive by. They would see the lights on. They're yes. like, what's going on? And I'm like painting out there in the middle of the night. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was what my entire summer of 2019 was. There was, so talking about fear of um, starting something. So like, trust me, like it was not easy. Mm-hmm. It was not fun. There were a lot of sleepless nights, um, especially when the money that you had just asked for was running out and you're looking ahead, not only the money for the project, um, but also your personal finances Mm -hmm. with kids, mortgage and everything. So like literally that bank account was drying up. Now I could have pulled it like I could have pulled some savings out from whatever, um, but you don't want to. Um, But it was literally like the Shane's paycheck that was like just barely getting me by. Mm -hmm. Um, and so sleepless nights, tons of fear. It's like, is this going to work? My biggest fear was disappointing my investors and like it not working. Um, so I'm a religious person, faith-based person. Um, uh, I go to college church here in Wheaton. I remember vividly listening to another podcast. It was called faith driven entrepreneur. It's these venture capitalist guys from California that were interviewing faith-based entrepreneurs all over the country. And there's a local guy named Phil Vischer who everyone, whether you're religious or not, or went to church or not, probably heard of Mm VeggieTales and VeggieTales went into bankruptcy. 
And it was, I was on the, I was on a ladder in the back alley, right up against the train station or train line, buying 302 painting in the blistering sun. And I just remember listening to this podcast of Phil Vischer saying, you know, like, like VeggieTales failed, went into bankruptcy, lost everything. I thought it was going to be the next Walt Disney. I wasn't like, like he wasn't. And so one really interesting thing that really calmed me was that Phil Vischer realized like, it doesn't matter. Like if like for him and, and people of faith, like it doesn't matter if you succeed or not in this world, as long as you are kind of following God's plan for you, that's all you need. And so, um, throughout this entire process, it just, it, it made sense that all of the, um, kind of things that happened in my life were leading to this. And it's just like, this has got to be what I need to be doing at this moment. Um, and so like that wiped away a lot of the fear just mm. because doors kept opening. And when something closed, it would like the next morning after not sleeping, it's like, Oh, well, there's the solution. Mm-hmm. So continue Eric. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been able to use this, um, not only just to support like the community and, and kind of the public's mind, but I mean, a lot of what we do is, I mean, it's, it just kind of comes from our, like my faith in letting this happen and then giving it all back because it's not really mine. It's yeah, it, it was meant to be and God's plan. And it's just kind of like, well, great. Let's, let's use this for good. So do you find yourself uh, sometimes knowing that as deeply as you do, do you sometimes still find yourself in, in, at the moment, in the heat of the moment with letting doubt creep in and oh, then yeah. having to remind yeah, yourself? Totally human. Yeah. 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 It, it's a great reminder. Sometimes you need someone to slap you and be like, hey, Eric, yeah. <laughs> don't worry about it. But yeah, of course. Like, I mean, even still, like for whatever reasons are happening in the stores or whatever. It's always, there's always concern and sleepless nights, but yeah. you can always rely back on that. Yeah, I'm an on again, great. off again, Bible study attender and yeah. never, never been a, never been a consistent church, yeah. uh, church attender, but at a Bible study that I used to go to, uh, for whatever reason, they, uh, we, we memorized the 23rd Psalm and that's something that I do every day. Mm-hmm. So when I get into the, when I get into my car before I turn on the radio or look at my phone or whatever else, I say the 23rd Psalm out loud. And it's a, it's amazing. It's amazing. Just in that, just in that one Bible passage, it's amazing how much stuff is in there that, that for me resonates entirely with what you're, with what you're talking about, the presence of, mm-hmm. of God in each of our, in each of our lives. And I'm, I'm embarrassed to say there's plenty of instances that I can, that I can reflect on personally where I was headed down uh, a path that I shouldn't be on. And God showed up to give me a little stick to get me to get me to get me back, or a big stick yeah. to get me to get me back and back in line. So yeah, yeah that's that, that's awesome, dude. That's very, it's awesome. That's yeah. a great story. The um or great philosophy. I used to um, tell my clients that faith is a competitive advantage <laughs> in business because I found that if people didn't have faith, um, you know, how can you move forward without sort of allowing you know, giving up a certain amount of control and saying, I'll do the work 
as you did. I'll paint the building. Ultimately, though, there is a, a higher power. So yeah. that's really inspiring. And you can still sell burgers, beers, and bourbon. I know. And apparently right? you can okay. do it that's at okay. two locations. Okay. That's okay. So now let's talk about the growth of your business yeah. because you are known as, you know, the swashbuckling young entrepreneur here in Wheaton. <laughs> uh, you now have 302 South. Yep. Tell us what else is on the on the architect board. Yeah, yeah it, it is a disease whenever I drive by a building and it's for sale <laughs> or at least whether it's in Wheaton or not, it's always like, oh, that would be cool oh, if it was that. Um, so 302 uh, in downtown Wheaton and then 302 South also in Wheaton, but South Wheaton and North Wheaton couldn't be any more different. Um, people from the South side <laughs> do not want to cross the tracks, let alone Roosevelt Road. Um, and so my son was on a few uh, sports teams in, uh, in South Wheaton, like Briarcliff. And I was like, yeah, like, they need this down here too, I think. Um, so that's in Town Square, and Town Square is coming back. There's a whole and story about really, that. Really, I was going to say, I think because of it, uh, so much of Town Square has come back. Yeah, and it's, I think, and this of course wasn't the plan, but I think others have been encouraged that someone local right. is coming in, and it's a lot of local retailers. Mm -hmm. uh, Prairie Path Books is down there, mm -hmm. PS Flowers is down there. Um, yeah, I'm missing a few, but. Well, Blue Willow Mercantile, I just interviewed them for now, Open oh, nice. in Wheaton yeah. on the TV channel. And that's Seth and his uh, mom own that uh, quilt shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seth's in all the time. Um, and then Kate's got um, Perfect Thing. Right, down Perfect there. Thing moved into that big space. Yeah. So then there's more coming. So that we're Stone excited Market. about um, about Town Square. Grandpa we, Frank's, the candy yeah. guy. Yeah, there was a yeah, little pop he's up. there with the pop up, the yep. winter pop up. Yep. So we've got um, Shane's Deli still, um, and that's going to remain. The, the funny story about that is I, I went to the property owner and um, asked him in early March of 2020, hey, when do I need to get my stuff out? I know you're demoing the building. COVID happens, building's not being torn down. Hey, Eric, you want a five-year lease? Sure. So we're there for a while. Um, I know it's been a roller coaster for Shane's fans, but we're there until 2025. And then who knows? Um, well, speaking as someone who lives south of Roosevelt Road, we appreciate that you're at, uh, you know, in Town Square too. Yeah. And as a chamber, yeah. of I course, we love that you're there. I was Town Square to move Shane's back mm -hmm. when I thought that that was going to be demolished. That's when I kind of fell in love with that center court area mm -hmm. when that was open. So that was supposed to be Shane's Deli, but turned out to be 302 South. Mm -hmm. um, we just opened uh, Suburban, which is a members only private uh, speakeasy. Uh, yes, I go to college church, and yes, I have three liquor licenses in Wheaton <laughs> and more to come, but I think that's okay. It um, is. It's okay. So so the wine Jesus made was actually mm -hmm. fermented. Mm -hmm. And it was the best mm -hmm. wine right. from that mm -hmm. night. Yeah, And that is in the old Emmett's, Emmett's the which yeah, was the bank. Yep. So it's that sort of man cave yes. looking place downstairs. It's not a man cave. We actually, we hosted a, a, a women's only night uh -huh. just so people didn't feel like this is just going to be a boys club drinking their whiskey or whatever. Um, so that is a partnership between the owners, 302, obviously, um, Common Good and Blackberry Market. Oh, so, okay. Um, so Common Good's the cocktail place yes, in, in Glen, Glen Ellen. Ellen. Yep. So they're operating that Market. bar for mm -hmm. us. And then Blackberry, um, Bob, the owner from Blackberry and I, we've had this dream Ever since the Geishi building was still for sale, mm -hmm. we we're going to put Suburban in the basement of that. Um, Wait, now, which building is that? Geishi is right, the old shoe store right across from Blackberry on Main Street. It's a big old apartment building. Yeah, oh, yeah. they tore it down. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So Suburban's open. Um, 
And then we're also working on Maypole, which is a restaurant upstairs, um, separate company, same group of people with a chef from the city. Um, so we're really excited about that. That's going to be American comfort food, but with a um, global inspiration. Mm. So is there a red velvet rope across the stairway <laughs> to go downstairs or how do, how'd you separate those spaces? Yeah. That is my, that is the joke that I tell every member uh, who becomes a member at Suburban. They're like, how, how are you going to separate uh, downstairs from upstairs? I was like, well, there'll be a curtain and a really nice velvet rope upstairs. <laughs> um, there was a velvet rope or some sort of red rope when, when it was Emmett's in the bank up there. We actually found an extra one that I used uh, so people wouldn't go up to the construction site. Um, uh, at Maypole, but, but yeah, there will be separation. It's two separate businesses. Um, the goal is to eventually open a public side to suburban. Uh, we just launched day passes. So while it is members only, you can go onto our website and get a day pass, um, for a couple hours there. So it's kind of a really fun little dark bar in downtown Wheaton. It sounds like a post podcast destination. I have to agree with that. I was doing a food truck. I'd join you. Right. (laughs) You got a pass on you? (laughs) (laughs) We actually were planning on giving, like, making things like cool little tokens so we can just be like, hey, Uh come to Suburban. Love it. Kind of fun. Love it. Yeah. Do you have to smoke stogies too? No. You know, downstairs, I'm not a cigar smoker. but because Emmett's had a brewing facility, small brewing facility down there, it was glassed off and it had ventilation from the brewing equipment. But knowing a lot of people love drinking bourbon and smoking a cigar mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like that would be fantastic. State of Illinois, it has to be a standalone building to smoke mm. inside, even if it's private. So that's honestly fine. They can uh, go outside and smoke. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen too many people do that, but yeah, they can if they want. So going back to going back to cutting the cutting the cord from the uh, the office furniture yeah. job. So what did your bride think about that? <laughs> so three uh, kids, a fourth yeah. on the way, house yeah. house upgrade, life is moving along. Yeah, and now I'm gonna. She thought I was crazy. Give away any security <laughs> that any shred of security that we've got in our life. Yeah, but again, going so. Uh, a lot of people know me and I'm working on this project where a deal, part of the deal kind of just fell through. Um, I was like, yeah, but I've already got like this person, this person, this person I'm talking to like later this week. They're like, of course you are, Eric. So I'm like the eternal <laughs> optimist. If you're an Enneagram person, I'm a seven. Uh, my wife is a nine. Um, Wait, what was that? Enneagram? Enneagram? Yeah, what is that? What? It's right. like I don't a, know. Listen to another podcast. Right, there's all sorts of podcasts. We'll hook up. There's okay. a book. There's a good gotcha. book. Gotcha. Yeah. There's a good book. So the, it's not Dianetics. Is that Richard Rohr has a Enneagram book too? Richard Rohr has an Enneagram book. There's a lot of them. We'll get you tested. I don't read books. I listen to podcasts. Well, the Enneagram <laughs> it has some good like tests. I yeah, think that you, yeah, yeah. you take a test and then it's, it's basically it's like Myers Briggs or personality test. They're only as good like most people just care about who they are. But if you can, if you're having problems with certain someone, whether that's your wife or employee or whatever, figure out their Enneagram and most likely you'll be able to figure out. And there's good guidance of like, this person is the way they are Mm -hmm. because of this. Mm -hmm. And you can, 
you can use that to better relate and understand. Mm-hmm. It's like disc or Myers Briggs. Gotcha. Yeah. So you're a seven, she's a nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so the seven is the eternal optimist, the enthusiast. So I get excited about everything. Um, <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, no problem. I can do this. I can do that. She's quite the opposite. However, while she was like freaking out and scared and uh, unsure about this, um, again, relying on her faith, it's like she saw God at work throughout this entire process. So while Eric did this, it's like, oh, well, that actually worked out. And like, mm. oh, well, that actually worked out. So, okay, let's just do this. So she had faith so she in came you. Along. She really had faith in yeah. you. Yeah. 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 Um, Do you ever circle back with her and say, see, honey? <laughs> no, not really. No. That's usually not a great idea. <laughs> yeah. I, I also tried to get her initially, like, to come alongside of me and to, like, get involved with the business. Oh. That didn't go super well. Yeah. We also have, uh, let's see, in November of November of 2017, we had our fourth. We adopted our fourth, which is a crazy story. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. I do want to hear that story. We do want to hear that story about okay. why you would yeah. adopt a fourth child. Yeah, so we uh, we decided to uh, adopt our fourth. My wife has horrible pregnancies. She's got mm-hmm. morning sickness the entire, um, basically the entire eight months. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the entire. Hence but, the bed but, rest. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so... She came from a family of uh, siblings. She had three other siblings, so four kids. I came with two sisters, came from two sisters, one older, one younger, so three kids. I was like, I'm done at three. Um, Another kind of God thing, it was like we were at our church. um, There's a Sunday um, that's really focused on adoption. um, And so it was just like one of these things where I had this God moment where I was like, why do I get to – it was a weird moment where I was like, why do I get to decide – when to have kids and when not to have kids. Cause we had kids very easily to look at her and we were pregnant. Um, <laughs> and so it was just this thing that hit me. I was like, so I wrote on the bulletin. I was like, that's ready to have another one. She probably still has that. But so we go through the adoption process um, for multiple reasons. Like it's easy for us to have biological children. There's probably a huge need out there to adopt. Um, our families both had adopted children, um, in the family. Um, we went domestic, um, 14 months of rejection going through 13 different situations of being told no. It was just kind of like, I don't know, not a great feeling. Mm-hmm. It's like a feel like we're pretty good parents and like our book that shows how fun we are and like we've got a dog (laughs) and we've got three kids and we live in Wheaton, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. Your sales brochure. Yeah, right. It really is. But these moms, like, I mean, the the birth moms, they are sometimes choosing the birth parents because their favorite uh, candy is Skittles and the birth or the, the adoptive parents' oh, favorite candy is because I mean, these are like 15, 16-year-old mm-hmm. girls that are that mm-hmm. are giving their kid up for adoption. Um, and so we go through this process, and um, it was mid-November when um, when we got the call. It's like, hey, we got a situation. She's um, She should be due with a, a girl um, at the end of December, so like Christmas, New Year's time. We're like, yeah, sure. Let's, let's shoot for it. Let's go for it. And so we, um, we said, yes, they call back the next day. Hey, actually she was born last night. Do you, are you still interested? We're like, 
still kind of numb to the things like, sure, we probably won't be picked, whatever. And so then the following day, I'm on the train going downtown to work. And uh, my wife calls crying as I'm like about to get off Metra. And she's like, we got her. And I was like, okay, uh, train schedule. I'm going to turn around and come right home. She's like, no, we can't leave today. Like got our kids. Our kitchen is like under construction in the middle of major renovation. Um, can't just leave. And like, we were going to go to Arizona for Thanksgiving. Um, I was like, no, like our baby's down there. So I, I figure out some flights and, uh, Kate, like thankfully our in-laws are in town and we're able to take the kids. And so like later that night we flew down, we show up to this hospital. Um, and the craziest thing is that my wife's mom, her cousin is the head of pediatrics at that hospital. So she was holding our baby before she even knew that it was our baby. And then like that, that same day, like we made the connections and it's just like, well, this is a God thing. Like the craziest thing in the world. Um, so we get down there, we show up to this uh, hospital at like, I don't know, like nine or 10 PM. The child doesn't have a name yet. Cause it was born like yesterday. Uh, the parents had already signed away their rights. So we show up, you got to buzz in cause it's all secure. We're like, um, well, this is Kate and Eric Schlickman and our baby's in there. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Um, so they buzz us through and we, do this whole thing and this is like a movie yeah it was it was crazy and like adoption is like one of the coolest things um to go through um and then so my wife was down there for a few weeks i on thanksgiving flew to meet my kids at um in arizona had buffalo wild wings for my thanksgiving dinner in the (laughs) like dallas airport or something um and then we flew back or went back home and then kate finally came back and like our kids hadn't seen the kids uh, they, had, they hadn't seen Pearl yet. Pearl. Um, yeah, Pearl, Aww. a little gem that's hard a to find. Um, a pearl of great price. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. I was just speaking of movie moments, like we met Kate and Pearl at Midway. And like when Kate was like walking out with Pearl and like the, I'm like with <gasps> the kids and my parents and her, her parents. And I think a brother-in-law was there too. It was just like one of those like sweet, really sweet oh, moments of like meeting their daughter. Man. So adoption's great. Like what a great experience. And she's, she's, she's a wild child, but she's ours and it's fantastic. <laughs> so, yes. That is such a great story. That gives yeah. me goosebumps. Yeah. So how'd you develop the recipe for the burgers? Because those <laughs> yeah, are delicious. Yeah. And how those about are those delicious. impossible burgers? Those are awesome. So obviously part of the community, um, we've got an awesome butcher here, Wheaton, um, Wheaton Meat. And so that was another connection. Uh, a friend of mine knew uh, Brett over at Wheaton Meat. I was like, mm-hmm. hey, Brett, starting a burger joint. You want to help us? Sure. And so just kind of, uh, you have no idea how much, how many bread samples for the the bun and how many <laughs> burger samples came to my house. And I was cooking burgers like for months <laughs> for friends, for ourselves, developing a, a slick sauce. I know. What a like our house always smelled like burgers and I always made a mess. Um, but yeah, we just worked with wheat and meat on the, the um, blend for the burger. Once we nailed that, um, and then finding the right bun for the burger was important. Um, inspiration from Shake Shack and in and out um, ever, whenever I meet and I'm working register, or just busing tables or whatever at 302. And I see someone with like an in and out shirt or a shirt from California, or I hear they're from California. I'm like, this is better than in and out, isn't it? <laughs> I know you're not allowed to say it is, but you know, deep down it is 
Fifty percent. We'll admit it. On that. We'll admit it. But yeah. yeah. Other fifty won't. They're I'm truly from, delicious. I know, They're and I've, heard, I've had both the the impossible, regular yeah. and the impossible. And I'm also from Arizona, so I've, yeah, I'm an In and Out Burger aficionado. So I'd have to agree. Yeah. Yours is better. We go out there often. I always when we as soon as we land, it's double double yes. animal style yes. for me. So <laughs> same with us. <laughs> First stop. How's the menu developing at at Maple? Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. It's going to be really fun. Um, it's going to be, um, American comfort food that we're all familiar with. Um, the chef is Filipino. Um, so there's a little bit of an Asian take, um, on the menu, which is really fun. Um, 302 is a group of Wheaton investors, family and friends. Um, Maypole is actually a group of Glen Ellen investors that we're looking to do this concept in Glen Ellen. Um, just couldn't find the right space. So we found Emmett's mm. obviously, um, and so we've done some investment um, kind of meetings where our chef um, has prepared some meals and just like really fantastic food. So, and really nothing like down, nothing else like that in downtown Wheaton. Mm-hmm. Um, not that food is everything. Food has to be good. The menu has to be good. Um, there can be four or five pizza places in, in Wheaton or any sure. town. It's more about like kind of the, the vibe and mm-hmm. um, I think just like the staff and, and, what the space feels like, looks like. Um, so this is going to be another very community focused, um, restaurant that is going to be operated by local people, which I think is a huge thing in Wheaton, Mm -hmm. really tight community, especially near downtown. So I think it'll have that really kind of local flair where you go into other restaurants and you know, like the owners are residences of Wheaton, but you don't always see them there. Um, but like when you see Dick at Ivy, Mm -hmm. like, He's a resident. You see mm-hmm. him all the time. So it's got a, a little bit different of a flair to it mm-hmm. when it's when the operator is also a local resident. Is the layout going to be similar? Because it seemed like <laughs> there was like the dining room, the bar and the patio. Yeah. So yeah. or the not the outside patio, but like the, yeah, the covered bistro, patio yeah. Yeah, area. Um, yes, the, structurally, the layout is really not changing a ton. Mm-hmm. However, come, being one of the only... Um, investors or, um, operators from Wheaton. Mm -hmm. I was like, guys, this used to be the bank. Then it was Emmett's like, and it really didn't change. I was just going to say that they didn't change it very much. And it aged. Mm -hmm. And I said, if we don't do a major renovation, Mm -hmm. people are just gonna be like, okay, Mm -hmm. same old, same old. old." Mm -hmm. And so it's going to look completely different. Um, Alicia, who is uh, one of the um, common good owners, she also has a great design mind. Um, And so it is a lot of color, a lot of color, very European feel. Um, I, as you can tell from 302's colors, black, white, and gray, I'm not a color person. I'm an architect. And so when it's, uh, when you walk in through this bright red vestibule into a green room, into a blue room with all these other colors, it overwhelms me, but I think it'll come together really, really well and be completely different. So 20 years from now, Pearl comes to you or any of the other kids comes to you and say, Hey dad, I'm thinking about starting a restaurant. Mm-hmm. What what are you going to say to them? Uh, I, I wasn't planning on them like leaving. I was hoping that they would operate my restaurant. <laughs> oh, that's the session plan. So if they were to tell me, hey, dad, I'm leaving your restaurant to go start my <laughs> own, go. I'd be a little bit more upset, Compete. but I'd be all for it. Um, if anyone comes up to me and says, hey, I want to start a restaurant. I have this idea of starting a restaurant or something. I have a good friend who has been wanting to get out of his job for a while and just hasn't yet. Um, the idea is great. Um, you have to be super passionate about whatever you are about to jump into. Um, but it's that leap that is the differentiator between, um, 
an entrepreneur and not an entrepreneur. Um, you have to take a risk, a major risk in your life. Like there's no like, like easy way into the restaurant industry right. or hospitality industry or any industry without just kind of jumping in and putting all the cards on the table. Um, but yeah, I would encourage my kids to do it. I think it's a, it's great. You figure out, you'll figure out pretty quickly if you've got it or not as an entrepreneur. I don't know if you can, what I don't know is I don't know if you can become an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I was an entrepreneur until I started 302 and now I'm a serial entrepreneur, which right. is scary. Right. And that's what I love. I don't, but was I always an entrepreneur? And I just didn't know you it at the time. You had an entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. Your right. Spirit. And everything I did, like in, in work, I was always thinking outside the box. How could we be doing this better? Mm-hmm. What could we be doing to expand or, or solve this problem or grow the business mm-hmm. in a different way? Um, so maybe it was always there and then just, I don't know. Something else I heard in your story, though, Eric, and this is, you know, from my perspective uh, at the chamber, we have a lot of startup businesses that come to the chamber. And if they're not fully capitalized or at least, you know, I think undercapitalization, the idea that people go into business. Yes, this story is amazingly um, inspiring. But you also said you had savings, you had investors, you had people supporting you. And I don't think the financial component can be underestimated that when people come into, um, and I see it, I've, I've been a member of this chamber for 20 years and I've been the, you know, staff person president for the last couple of years. And when, when a, when a small business owner is undercapitalized, they become desperate mm-hmm. and they make all the wrong moves. They think networking is a tactical transactional, you know, what can you do for me as yep. opposed to making those investments over time? I mean, you had friendships and relationships that you developed over years and years. So, uh, but you had a plan and you had some financial backing. Yeah, I had a plan. It was the, the plan to open was 465,000 and I ended up needing about 780,000. So the plan so wasn't great, good but rule there was of a plan. Thumb, good rule of thumb, whatever you think you need, double it. Double it. Yep. Double it. Yep. That's what they say about home remodeling too. Yeah. Having capital is important. There's no shortage of money in Wheaton, um, but people are frugal, mm-hmm. um, which is good and careful with their money. Um, but yeah, when, when you ask any investors to do invest in 302, no. Did you invest in Eric Schlickman? Yes. Mm-hmm. So like investing in the person is probably the most important thing rather than investing in the concept. Right. Right. So I started this business with no money. None. Uh, and that I think I was able to do. Well, I think one of the reasons I was able to do that was, uh, I started my career in commercial banking. So, uh, and then in my mid twenties, I left banking to go start a, go start a business on credit card cash advances. And I had a spreadsheet of like 10 different credit cards that I was on. So, so I understood a bit about the, a bit about the, the banking system and the way that that, the way that that works. So I would, so I would, I would say that capital, capital can take many forms Mm -hmm. and it doesn't, and it doesn't have to be necessarily uh, a whole bunch of money in the corporate checking account mm-hmm. in, in order to, in order for a, so I would just say for other, other people thinking about starting a business to, uh, to not let money stand, stand in the, stand in the way. And mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, I'll go start a business when I've got 500 grand or a million or whatever, well, the, whatever the number yeah. is that I, that I, that I need to have in the, that I need to have in the bank. Cause I think there's, I think there's also, there's also, I think a certain discipline that comes from, 
I don't have the money to do mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. so I can't just write a check to solve my problem. I've got to, I've got to figure it out in different, in different ways. And be creative. And be creative and, and work hard and right. paint buildings at, at 11 at night right. while I'm listening to podcasts and do, and do things that do things that other people aren't willing to do. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. So, so yeah, but I, but I do, I, I, I think that capital does take, it takes many forms and it's yeah. not necessarily a big bank account. Yeah. Good and point. it depends on the business that you're starting. You're starting a service business, which you don't need a building per se. Right. You right. need relationships yeah. mm-hmm. um, and connections. And where I needed a building, I needed a kitchen, I needed inventory. So I needed all those things. But yeah, up I mean, front. there's, there's other ideas. Yeah. And service, uh, I always kick myself like, why didn't I get into software and why didn't I get into service? Like I could have started this all by myself, owned it myself instead of just a small percentage of the of the business being mine. Yeah. I'm sharing it with other investors. So we, so, so part of the, part of our business growth has been, has been buying. Uh, so we, we've, we've grown basically a third, a third, a third between buying advisor practices, recruiting advisors, and then growing one, one client at a time. And uh, we didn't buy a building until we moved to this, until we bought to this space or a piece of a piece of a, a piece mm-hmm. of a building, but yeah, buying practices. So there's nothing behind there's nothing right. behind that. Just so, a Rolodex. And so having, right. Or so having whatever bank you call conversa- it nowadays. Yeah. Having bank, con- bank conversations mm-hmm. with people that um, you're sa- sitting across the table from a banker saying, well, how am I going to get paid if this doesn't pay back? Yeah. If this doesn't yeah, work yeah, out. Right. No collateral. <laughs> no, no. Those are, those are, those were interesting. Mm-hmm. Those were interesting conversations, oh. but conversations I wouldn't been able to navigate without the experience in the. Right. So do you think, do you think that you would, Going back, starting your life over, would you start 302 just right out of college? Or do you think all the experiences that you had? Yeah. No, I, I, I don't think I could. Yeah. I didn't know anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife's family was probably more connected than my family growing up. Um, they all went to Wheaton College. They all played football there. Uh, you throw out their last name and it's like, oh, yeah, I know this person. And it's like, oh, my gosh, the world just shrunk like mm-hmm. a ton. Um but yeah, no, I wouldn't trade the entire experience yeah. for anything. And I don't think I could have done it yeah. without that. Somebody just, just before we got started, there were, we, had, we had some people visit the office and they were asking about, you know, do I wish I had done this sooner? Cause I started, I started my career in the, you know, in the, the big, the big firm world. And I, I gave him the same answer of, you know, I hear people say all the time, I wish I had done this sooner. Mm-hmm. And I don't, for me anyway, I don't. I think all that experience leading up to leading up to making the, taking the plunge. It shocked me when I started my business, how many awful jobs and terrible bosses contributed to my success. (laughs) I wrote a letter to one of my former bosses saying, thank you so much. I was, I was a terrible student, but I, I kept a lot of what you taught me and he was so appreciative. (laughs) So in starting your business, it feels, it sounds very clear to me that you weren't, you were doing great in the career that yep. you were, the career mm-hmm. that you were both, the, both downtown and then in the furniture sales business. And so you weren't at all running from something. You were running to something. Mm. That's what it sounds like to me. I'm wrong <laughs> from this reaction. <laughs> yeah. He's like looking at his watch. How long you got? Uh, no, this is a, uh, it's a, it's a personal story. Um, uh, my boss and I were really close friends. Um, but yeah, so we were like brothers. Uh, it, it kind of came to this point where it's like, he was 
10 years older than I was. Um, and, but yeah, we kind of felt like, and we're very similar type people. Um, I didn't even have to like, he didn't even have to say anything. I could kind of read his mind cause I was kind of thinking the same way we would work on all the big projects together, stay up late at night, um, over a glass of bourbon or some wine or whatever, and just crank out. And we, we battled together, we presented together, we sold together. Um, and then we had fun together. Like our wives would hang out and we're like, we would vacation all together, um, and, and do fun trips. This is in the architect role. No, this is no. at, uh, the furniture, the furniture sale. Okay. Yep. yep. And so, uh, I mean, there was a broken relationship between him and his wife. Um, and, uh, there was some, in my opinion, some lying. Um, and, and I just didn't feel comfortable, um, after that. And so it was, uh, a lot of lost trust, hmm. um, in that relationship. Hmm. Um, and for me, I decided I just, I just can't work here anymore. Um, not because of divorce, like that people go through that, but it was like a major, uh, let down in that relationship when I felt like we were kind of at this pinnacle. Um, and then, so really, I mean, that's the part of the story that most people don't hear. Um, but that was the kind of the situation that led me to, and you know, What's funny, we, we were on this, uh, we were on this strategy planning trip, uh, months before and with this dealership, we could only, um, expand our market so much in that region. So we wanted to grow the, we were growth mode. Um, and so the idea was, and all ideas were on the table. Um, and so it was like, how else could we expand with it? And this is, I think general in any kind of service led business. It's like, what other services can we provide? You see the real estate market get into design mm -hmm, and all sorts mm -hmm. of stuff now. Um, and so I was like, well, we all like beer. Like what, like, like the owner is <laughs> a huge craft beer. We're all like actually sitting in this hot tub. I think most of us had a beer in our hand, but he, he probably had wine. It's like, why don't we start a tap house? Like, wouldn't that be a fun, like little side hustle? Like we could take some of the money from this business, start a tap house. And so like, that was already oh, in my mind already. of doing that. And then this whole situation kind of happened. Um, and it was messy. And, um, I remember like telling him because his, his network is my network now. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember like, oh man, like I've got a meeting with a few of his close friends and they all are aware of the situation, what's going on, but I'm interviewing with them. I'm like, I do not want him to know that I am leaving or interviewing and searching with a buddy of his. I don't want him to find out that way through mm -hmm. his buddy. Mm -hmm. So I, I go to his, uh, condo and I let him know that I was leaving and like, he could have been like right there and then, uh, yeah, you're done. So mm -hmm. move on. And I had nothing lined up after that. Um, and so that was a huge fear. Like, mm -hmm. man, it was just, it was, that was probably one of the scariest, uh, moments of my life was going in, telling my boss that I'm planning on leaving mm -hmm. without a whole lot of reason. I didn't just like dive into everything. Um, pretty sure he was aware of what was happening, um, and why it was happening. But um, but yeah, that was a scary moment. And that's really kind of what pushed me to mm. figure out what's next. Yeah. And it just so happens that 302 is what was next.
So yeah. absent that broken relationship, yeah. then maybe, who knows, maybe you're still yeah. taking the train and talking about tap rooms and hot tubs, mm-hmm. but not actually doing it. Right. Yeah. Maybe. maybe. Exactly. Yeah. And so like. Well, it goes to culture, doesn't it? Like you, you that became a culture that no longer fit for you. And it's. You know, it, uh, yes, in a way, it was a smart, small part of the culture because in um, what was interesting, there's um, looking back at the other, the culture of the architecture firm, great, great people. But I looked ahead at the partners at that firm. And I was like, is that the life that I really want to mm-hmm. live? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you're making more money but you're also like, you're a slave to that job. Now I'm a slave to my job somewhat, but I love what I do and I have a ton of flexibility. They did not have a ton of flexibility. I just, they were in the office. You had to be in the office a ton or traveling or whatever. And I was like, that's not what I want, but the people were great. And so every time I left a business um, or company, it was hard because you're leaving really good people in that company. I felt the same thing about uh, the furniture industry. I was leaving like, I was leading the company with um, my boss and then two really, really good friends that were awesome leaders. One now is working in LinkedIn and then one's down in Indianapolis kind of starting up his political career, Mm. um, which is exciting for him. But um, we were, I mean, I would have, I would have jumped in the trenches with those Mm. two guys any day of the week, Mm. um, led another company with them. Um, I'm, I would be the visionary. We had the sales guy and the, and the people leader, um, in, in one guy. And then we had the operations guy. And so like those three together is like the perfect leadership team right there. And we were just good Mm -hmm. friends, um, and got along really well together and just kind of had the same values. So would have been really fun. And eventually when Schlickman Enterprises grows enough, I'd love to bring them in if I can pay them. But yeah, that would be really fun. Eric the Schlick Schlickman. Thank you, brother. Yeah, no Thank problem. Thank you, brother. I really, really enjoyed visiting with you. Yeah, Thank you for thanks being for having me. And Thank all you're doing you. for the community and yes. keep it up, brother. Yeah, I would say like, it's really interesting that in the restaurant and hospitality world, you see a lot of the problems, you get negative feedback and it just like hurts you because you're so like, this is your, this is your baby and mm-hmm. you take it personally. But there are a lot of people that thank me for the work that we're doing in the community mm-hmm. and for 302, for whatever reason it plays. We had a wedding at 302 and the bride and groom wanted to get married at 302 p.m. <laughs> she wanted to walk down the aisle and she did at 302, but they, at 302. 302 was such a huge part of their relationship oh. and like engagement story. And, and so they wanted to get married there. So well, and it is a magnet for families. When we go there, there's a, sometimes there's a raffle going on with St. Mike's yeah, and right. you know, a lot of, a lot of good stuff going on there. So you, you forget about, um, all the positive things sometimes. Mm-hmm. And what's also really hard as I step back, like I grew up in this community, I'll never get to experience this community the way that the rest of the public mm-hmm. does because a lot of like, because of my business, the businesses that I've started there, which I kind of have to be like, I've thought about this a lot recently. It's like, you kind of like, I, everything that I do is something that I want so like 302 is all of Eric's wants and and pleasures and what he would want in a restaurant. But I don't get to ever experience that because I'm the 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 owner of the of the business. And so when I go there, I see, oh, that needs to be picked up. Mm-hmm. Oh, that person needs to be working harder or this thing. So it kind of ruins the experience. But it's like one of those things you just kind of have to like like forget 
and uh, be like, okay, this is not about me, but this is for the community. And so giving back and like, yeah, not being able to truly experience what you want, like what you want in the community and what you've created is really hard, but. Well, we do appreciate what yeah. you do in the community and we can't wait to see what you're, what else you're up to. I've got one more project. Oh boy. Uh, next time. If we have, I was going to say, that'll have to be the next podcast. Episode number two. We'll squeeze it out of him. <laughs> I'll go grab a bottle of bourbon. You can have a drink right here. Perfect. Well, that's it. Another episode of The Local in the can. Thanks for joining us. If you have any story ideas or comments, drop us a note at fairhavenwealth.com. And be sure to subscribe, review, and rate us on your favorite platform. I'm Mark Horner, and I hope you'll join us next time when we cut another episode of The Local. Local.